You are a cosmic accident. There is nothing special or sacred about your lives. And as such, only the best, the strongest, and the most vicious of you will survive. These are some of the not-so-subtle lies that have been taught to us since 19... I guess it was 1968 in our public school system through Darwinism. Not so subtle lies. <laughs> You're an accident? You're this crazy combination of, of gases. Your life has no purpose. As a matter of fact, if you're weaker, if you're frail, or if you're hurting, sayonara. Because only the strongest will advance. Lies. Friends, it is impossible for that type of subtle lie to be taught to us, to be taught to our kids. And since 1968, I'd say 75% of the people in this room were in school since 1968 on some degree, had this thrust at us. Friends, those are lies. You are wonderfully and thoughtfully made and created in the image of your Creator. Your life has value. Your life has meaning. You are special because He says so. Your life is sacred because a price was paid for your life by Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. And His work was not in vain. Today we're going to talk about identity. We're going to stay in the midst of our series and we're going to talk about identity, but we're also going to talk about lies because as part of our identity, who Christ says we are, who the Word of God says we are, we're going to come up against lies that try and contradict and confuse, that come to tear down and take hope. So in this series, Soul Care and Freedom, we began it last week, and there's a couple of resources that I want to let you know about that we that have been just strong influencers in this series. Um, there's two books that that our pastoral team has read, and that we've encouraged our team to read, and that they're reading, and we encourage you guys to go to Amazon and buy. Heck, you can go to Amazon.com right now, and it won't offend me, and in two days, this book will be on your, your door, these books. But one of them is Soul Care by Dr. Rob Reimer, and the other is Spirit Warfare by Dr. Carl I. Payne. So um, I wanted to give that that credit because we're pulling a lot of valuable morsels from what we've what the Lord has revealed to them and what we've read in these books. Um, but as with everything, um, what will be our primary source will be the Word of God. So friends... When we started off, I asked you to agree with me in prayer. I told you what I was going to pray, so I didn't surprise you with anything. And you said, yeah, we can agree with that. And we prayed, and we prayed together. It wasn't just me, because agreement was all of us were yielding our hearts to the Lord. Agreement. Whatever you agree with in life, you give power to. That's the truth. Whatever you agree with in life, you give power to. So the good news is this. If you agree with Jesus, 
If you agree with his teaching and thus the truth, then the truth will empower you. The truth will set you free. And that's good. But the bad news is that if you agree with the lies, no matter how small, no matter how big, they will enslave you because that's the plan of the enemy. You guys, we don't get free from a lie by rebelling against it. Because we don't get free from a lie in our own strength. You only get free from a lie by holding on to the truth. People in our government who are trained to identify counterfeit bills, they know the real thing so much that the counterfeits just stand out. And that's the way it should be as Christians. We know what God says about us, His love for us. We know the truth so much that a lie just out like a sore thumb. Rebellion sinks the lie deeper into our soul. And only truth brings freedom from the lie. I'm going to read a couple different scriptures. I'm going to read out of Romans 12 and I'm going to read out of John 8. If you want to turn to them, I'll pause for a moment. Um, if you don't have your Bibles with you, we strongly encourage if you have the Bible app on one of your devices, man, it's good. To, we, we project the words up here, but it's good to be able to see the word. And it's good to be to pull up the word or to turn to, to a scripture and to see what the Lord has to say about the matter. In Romans 12, 2, we see this. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing, you will, you will discern, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. That you may discern what is the will of God, what is perfect, what is good. I want to let you know right now, when we're talking about that you may know what the will of God is, I think there's a majority of us in this room that when we hear that, our inclination is, I want to know the will of God. And immediately we think, I want to know what he wants me to do for him. What's the will of God? What does he want me to do for him? What does, what does he want? How about we shift that a little bit? He wants us to discern the will of God. And he wants us to know who we are to him. When we're talking about the will of God, it's not about what we can do for him. It's who we are to him. It is who we are in him. And it's perfect. And it's good. And it's truth. Renewing your mind with the truth is not a passive activity. We have to be intentional about renewing our mind. It doesn't just happen. It doesn't just, we're going about our, our business, we're watching a, a Seinfeld rerun, or we're taking a, you know, a bike ride, and all of a sudden we're like, oh, my mind's renewed. That's awesome. We've got to be intentional about it. And we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about it right now. John 8, 31 and 32. And I'm going to read this passage. And um, I, I think, I'm going to go ahead and give you a little heads up. I think it's one of those that we misquote all the time. Verse 31, so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. 
What do you think this scripture gets misquoted as? I far too often, this is what I hear. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. That's what I hear. That's not what this says. That's not what Jesus is saying. You will, you will, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And what that tells us is knowledge will set you free. And that's not what Jesus is saying at all. He's saying, if you believe me, okay, we can have, let's make sure we have verse 31 up there. If you believe me, and if you believe my teachings, you're my disciple. You're following me. If you believe me, if you believe what I'm saying to you, how I'm teaching you, and then in following me, believing in me, and holding off the truth of my teaching, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. This is not about knowledge. This is about belief. This is about believing Jesus. Jesus understood that it's not knowing the truth that sets you free, but it's holding the truth that sets us free. This is if-then statement. This is an if-then promise. If we hold to the teaching, then we will know the truth, and knowing the truth, the truth will set us free. Does that make sense? How many of you guys have heard that misquoted before? I, I, I've, I've heard it, in, seen it in Hollywood movies, and I'm like, son of a gun. That's not what it says. It's not what Jesus was saying. Jesus knows that you and I experience victorious, liberating freedom when we hold on to the truth at the precise moment that the enemy is looking to break into your life to joust for position in your heart and in your mind. When the enemy is trying to bombard you with lies and when we hold on to the truth, let's let this represent truth, and we hold on to the truth in the midst of that windstorm, in the midst of, of that storm of lie and accusation of the enemy and that assault, then we refuse to let it go. And then it passes. And we stayed holding to the truth of Christ and who we are in Christ. Then we're free. That assault didn't land the punches that the enemy thought it would and wanted it to. We held to the truth. We clung to the truth. The enemy came against us and we said, No, I'm going to believe you, Lord. I'm going to believe your word. I'm going to follow your teachings. I'm not going to be swayed. I'm not going to be moved. I'm not going to be manipulated or played like a chump. I'm going to cling to you. And we weather the storm. And we're free. We knew the truth. We believed the truth. We held on to the truth. And it set us free. Man, it's so easy, I think. It's so easy sometimes when we're in the midst of that storm just to drop our truth and say, well, it must be true. I'm no... Well, it must be true. I'm... My value is so small. It must be true whatever the lie is that the enemy wants to come against us with. The truth of who you are in Christ... Your spirit must be tightly grasped 
precisely when the lies of the enemy are coming against you and threatening to prevent you from becoming who you already are. Who you already are in Christ Jesus. Not who you're about to become. Who you already are. The next passage we'll get to and it'll, it'll be here in a little bit. But if you want to turn to Ephesians 1. There's going to be sorrowful truth there. You guys, this is also one of the ways that we renew our minds because it transforms our life. Holding on to the truth of what we have already believed, it renews our mind. It strengthens our mind. It renews our soul in Christ Jesus. Holding to the truth. For a brief moment, I want to talk about the presence of God. You know, I, I love reading the account of Elijah. And talk about an up and down ministry. What an up and down life. What about, you know, peaks and valleys and highs and lows and God's provision throughout. Love. Love that prophet. There's a story where we see worshipers of Baal, prophets of Baal. And um, there's a battle royale up on Mount Carmel and and, uh, built altars and said, whoever, you know, devours this altar by fire. That's the one true God. So I want to point to the Baal worship real quick because I think Baal worship is a whole lot more prevalent in the church than we realize. Because here's what Baal worship is. Here's what the prophets of Baal did. They cried out to their God. He didn't respond. So they didn't believe he was there and they didn't believe he was awake and they didn't believe he was available. So they cried louder and they shouted louder and they didn't do it. Then they started harming themselves and cutting themselves. Didn't do it. And Elijah's kind of mocking them. Maybe he's... Go into the bathroom. Maybe shout louder. Maybe he just can't hear you. Friends, whether we like it or not, or whether we know it or not, we do the same thing when, when we fail to acknowledge that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us, and that he is with us, and that we are in his presence, and we don't have to shout to get his attention, and we don't have to, to grandstand to get, to get into his presence. He's God with us. He's God with us. We just have to make time for Him to, to experience the benefit of immediate presence of God. Now, even when we don't have time, even when we're busy, He's still there with us. But I'm, I'm telling you something powerful. And when we're looking for healing from, our, from the hurts and healing of our souls, there needs to be a silent stepping away where we say, Lord, I don't know what you're going to do and I don't know how you're going to do it. But I know your heart and I know your word. So I know you're going to do something. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to be with you. And um, would you just be you? In that place, you guys, we don't even... It, it, I love being in the word and I love prayer and I love worship and I love praying in the spirit. And I, I do. I, I, I love it. But there's times we just got to sit still before the Lord and say, Lord, what do you want to do without me even asking you for something? But just what do you want to do? Because you're my present Emmanuel, God with us. You guys believe that? Do we believe that? The presence of God. His presence accesses the deep places of our soul 
and He changes us. In His presence, God whispers about His love for you. He whispers. Mike, I love you. I'm proud of you. I've got such good things for you. Keep it up. Could you guys even hear me? How often do we refuse silence our, our, and settle our minds and ourselves and just be alone with God so he can, he can whisper affection and hope and promise to us? These are the identity-forming moments that are critically important for setting a firm foundation of our soul. Time with Jesus, man. Being in his presence is critical for setting a firm foundation for our souls. So think about the foundation of your soul as what you believe. You guys ever walk past a construction site or drive past a construction site and you drive past it day in, day out and it, you just, you're like, man, they're doing nothing. They're doing nothing. Nothing's happening. I don't see any any sort of material being put. They're just moving dirt around. They're putting water on dirt and then moving dirt and digging dirt and pushing dirt. and just, What are they doing? That feels like it takes forever. And then one day you're like, oh my gosh, there's a structure on that thing. How did that happen? That happens because they're not just sitting there moving dirt. Foundation work takes a long time. The foundation matters. If the foundation isn't firm, I don't care what materials you're using, I don't care what you're building, if the foundation's not firm, it's not going to be good. And when I'm talking about the foundation of your soul, if our foundation is not firm, then what's built on it is not going to be whole. And here's the beauty. Here's the beauty. We're talking about, a, you know, our God is a, is a spiritual God. And we can say, Lord, would you just rip out and, and give me a new foundation? Because whatever you're building, I want it to be you and I want it to be firm and I want to be whole and I want to be strong. And he'll rebuild our foundation. Unless the foundation of our life is strong, then what we believe about ourselves It may not be secure. It may not be truth. This is why we have to know the teaching of Jesus. This is why we have to hold onto those teachings and to hold on to Him, to know what Jesus says about us, and to hold on to that truth of who He says we are. Abide in Him. Abide in Him. Cling to Him. Hold on to Him. Remain in Him. Ephesians 1 is a remarkable book. The first three chapters of Ephesians 1 are just absolutely remarkable. Ephesians 1 is incredible in the amazing links that Paul goes to to establish our identity in Christ. Eleven times in Ephesians 1, he uses the phrase, in him or in Christ. In him. And he tells us, and he does it in context of you and I. In Him. In Him. In Christ. That phrase is talking about our relationship with God, our union with Him, and it's about how we are given this relationship 
with God through Jesus and how we are seen through our Father's eyes. I encourage you guys this week, read it. It's not homework because like this isn't school. We're talking about relationship with Christ. Hunger. You should be chomping at the bit to say, preacher, hurry up and finish so I can go home and read Ephesians 1. Don't read it now. You can read it later. I know you're excited. In Him. In Christ. You guys, we have to look at who the Father says we are. And I'll tell you, one of the first things He says is that we are adopted. You are adopted. You are adopted into the family of God. You know, it's amazing. In the Roman Empire, the adopted child had the full privileges of the biological child. That's awesome, right? But also this, the adopted child was completely released from control of his or her biological parents. Completely released. No longer has any say over this child, no longer has any control over this child. They are now new. They are now a child of this adopting family. And Jesus says, we're adopted. He says, I've adopted you. He said, you have the full rights and privileges as my son Jesus. We're even called co-heirs. Co-heirs with him. And our old family, our old master, our old... Before we came to know Christ, it says we were a slave. We were a slave to sin. We were a slave heading towards death. And through adoption, we no longer have any connection with that when we are in Christ Jesus. Isn't that awesome? So I'm going to read what has been declared by the power of the Holy Spirit to Paul in the book of Ephesians. I'm just going to read as bullet points who it says we are in him. Behind me, um, Trinity's just going to have the church just flowing so that you can see it's there. But in Ephesians 1, in him you have been chosen and you have been made holy and blameless by the power of God's love. In him you have been redeemed by his blood. In him... Your sins have been forgiven, not because you're so good, but because God lavished His grace upon you. In Him you are given according to the riches of His grace, not according to the poverty of your life. In Him you have been given purpose. In Him His grace is greater than your sin. In Him you have called for a purpose, for eternal significance. In Him you have received an inheritance from God, and you are God's inheritance. In him, in Christ, you have been included and marked with a seal as a family member when you received the promised Holy Spirit. Because this is who you are in Christ. This is who God says you are in Christ, and this is the truth that we have to cling to. God loves because of who He is. And He is love. And he willfully extended that love and said, I love you. Believe in me because I want you as mine. I want to adopt you. I want you in my family. I want you to walk in the fullness of every benefit of a biological kid. To really understand our identity, we have to be able to properly 
divides soul and spirit. And that can kind of be a confusing thing. I was doing a ton of, of reading this week on soul. And even looking between um, pneuma and, and psyche isn't the right pronunciation, but it's how it's spelled out. It, it, it's still, there's all this crossover. So just talk about soul and spirit for a while. Let's clearly identify the two in Scripture. Okay, your spirit. I'm talking about your spirit now. Your spirit has been made new. Your spirit now says you are a new creation in Christ. Okay? So we are a spirit who has a soul who lives in a body. Okay? There's three parts to us. It's like an egg. There's a shell, there's a yolk, and there's a... Some of us just, you know, more yolky. I don't know. So, with our spirit, we have received a new spirit and a new heart. This is what Ezekiel 36 says. Your spirit has been perfected in Christ. So say, my spirit is perfected. We can all... So say, my spirit is perfected in Christ. Okay, you're saved. If you've trusted your life in Jesus, your spirit is perfected in Christ. You've received every spiritual blessing that you need in the heavenly realms, and that's according to Ephesians 1.3. According to Ephesians 1.5 and Romans 8.15, you are adopted into the family of God. And according to Romans 8.17, you are heirs of God and co-heirs of Christ, and that is your spirit. Okay? We got it? These are all the claims of who you are in Christ. Your spirit has been purified. Your spirit has been purged, renewed, born in, and transformed. But your soul, that's a bit messier. Your soul is a bit messier. When I'm talking about your soul, I'm talking about your mind, your will, your emotions. And even your heart is being the control center of who you are. So when I'm talking about your soul, I'm not talking about your spirit. That's why I went to great lengths to talk about your spirit. So I'm going to talk about your soul now. Your soul can have hurts. Your soul can have wounds. Your soul can have bitterness. Your soul can still have sin. And your soul can still have demonic strongholds. Your soul can have fears. And your soul can have faulty beliefs of who you are. Your soul can still feel condemnation and shame. You have to work out in the realm of the soul what has already taken place even in the heavenly realms through Christ Jesus in your spirit. Your soul is where your mind, your will, and your emotions still determine the reality of your daily existence. And until we deal with the issues of our soul, we will not experience the fullness of God as He desires us to, nor the intimacy which His heart longs for us to have. Let me just briefly unpack uh, justification and sanctification. Because right now I'm talking about sanctification. So there's a word that I've been justified in Christ. I've been justified. And here's the great way to remember it. Just as I am. Just as I am, I was saved. I came to him filthy and sinful and rebellious and prideful. And I believed in him. 
and I repented of my sin and I I said, what are you going to do with this? And he said, I'm going to give you a new spirit. I'm going to make you new. I'm going to make you whole. You're a new creation. I'm going to give you a new heart. Just as I am, I'm saved. Justified. Okay? Justified. Our spirit man is saved. Now we're talking about sanctified. Sanctified is the process of walking it out whether our soul looks like our spirit. Is that easy to recognize? Whether our soul looks like our spirit. How's our spirit again? I forgot. Our spirit. Perfect. What else? Renewed. Whole. Right? So sanctification is the process of walking out our faith so that we look more and more like Christ. So that we act more and more like Christ. So that we grow in the truth and we're strengthened in the truth to cling to the fact of who I am in Christ. Do you guys, are you seeing the difference I'm making between soul and spirit? Working out your identity is learning to become who you already are. And I know that's kind of, ooh. Jesus has already declared who you are. He's already paid the price for who you are. And when the Father sees you, he sees you through the lens of the completed work of Jesus Christ. And so our identity has to be walking to that place where we believe who he already says we are, who we already are. So what keeps us from doing that? What keeps us from believing that? Lies. Lies. Manipulation. Accusation. Sin. Experience. People. I mean, I'm just, a bunch of stuff, really. I mean... This battle for your identity is crucial, friends. The battle for our identity is crucial. We have to know who we are in Christ. Your spirit knows who you are. Your spirit's already connected with Christ. Your flesh is not connected with Christ, nor will it ever be. Spirit's already connected with Christ. Your flesh will never be connected with Christ. It's just a shell. And our spirit, man, is daily walking in sanctification to be more and more connected with Christ, to look more like him. Does that make sense? I mean, these are some, like sanctification and justification, these are some big spiritual principles that I'm just trying to, to simplify here. Talking about our soul and, and our spirit and the difference, I mean, that that's, uh, we need to understand this to move forward in this series. If if I didn't unpack that as clearly, I have time for you and I am available to you and I will unpack that for you because we have got to grab a hold of this. One of the issues that keeps us from holding onto the truth of who we are in Him and the lies which we believe, it's, it's the heart of the enemy, the plan of the enemy. It's the nature of Satan who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He's an accuser and he is a liar. And he's audacious and he's relentless. But he's not all powerful. He is not greater than we are when we have Christ in us. It's certainly greater than Christ. He's not greater than us with Christ in us. 
And we can't just ignore the lies. Friends, you can't ignore the lies. You can't push down the lies and suppress it and, and put a nice, you know, doily tablecloth on top of it and say, there's nothing there. There's nothing there. There's nothing. I know it's moving and I know it smells, but there's nothing there. We can't. We can't ignore the lies. We have to go after the lies. Oh, I, I get excited with that, man. I want to fight right now. We have to go after the lies. You, you do. You can't just ignore them. You have to go after the lies. Lies form as the result of hurt. Lies form as the result of being wounded. Lies form as the result of being abused. Lies form as a result of being betrayed. Of being misvalued. Lies form as a result of not being loved or appreciated or seen. Lies form as a result of curses and accusations thrown at us. If we had a home or a relationship in which there was abuse, there's lies. What are some of those lies? Uh, I'm not lovable. I'm not valuable. I'm not smart. I'm not good. Lies. Sometimes these lies come because of choices we've made. Sometimes these lies come because of sin. It hasn't been confessed and repented of and brought to the light. And then there's lies that just come straight from the devil because that's what he does. So here's what we have to do. I said we have to go after them. Here's what we have to do. We have to identify the lies. We have to identify the lies that we believe. And there's a lot of lies, I think, that we don't even realize we believe. But the Holy Spirit's going to reveal it to us. That's why we have these journals, guys. The Holy Spirit's going to reveal to us things that deep down inside we, we kind of do believe because we live our life according to them. And that's what a belief is. We need to identify the lies that we believe and then we need to expose them to the light. And then we need to replace them with the truth. The good news, Jesus has already declared truth over us. So that's, that's, but, but I tell you, there has to be an intentionality to it. You have to go after the lies and say, I am not no good. I am not worthless. I am not stupid. I am not unlovable. I am not a bum. I am not a good nothing. I am not a failure. I'm not a drunk. I'm not a druggie. I'm not, I'm not. And you got to drag it into the light. And when you do so, keep in mind that your father is right there fighting with you. And you're saying, dad, look at the lies. Look at the lies brought against me. These are the lies, and I don't believe anymore. I believe you. And we get into his word, and we open up to Ephesians 1, and we say, Lord, would you remind me who I am in you? Oh, yeah, I'm adopted. That's awesome. I have all the full benefits. Who am I in you? I'm redeemed, I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven, Lord. Do you remember what I did? You don't? That's awesome. How do you not remember? I remember... He's like, I took him and I cast him. I flung those suckers. I'll never remember them. All I see is that you're forgiven. You're mine. 
I love you. Let's not talk about that. Come give me a hug. I love you. He's a good father. I'm not just using hyperbole. That's what we do in the presence of God is we let him whisper his love to us. He he embraces and and he reminds us of truth. Remember what I said earlier, whatever we agree with in life that we give power to, you got to choose. You got to choose. And you get, man, you got to, if you want to live, if you want your soul to be whole, you got to choose and you got to choose life. You got to choose life. You got to choose what the Lord says about you. If we don't do this, we will never experience freedom. I can't do it for you. I love you. I can't do it for you. I can't. You got to want this. What you agree with, you give power to. Who are you going to agree with? We can't just ignore the lies. We have to go after them. And just like last week, remember last week I had a suitcase up here? And I, I unpacked that suitcase of our soul. Okay, there's a foundation that we can grow and we can thrive on. And it's the foundation of truth of who we are in Christ Jesus. And we get a new foundation when we give our lives to Christ. But there's still a little bit of moving dirt around that's got to take place so that that foundation can be firm so that God can build upon it what He wants to build upon it. So you got you got to move through there and you got to remove some of the lies. What are some of the lies? What are some of the foundational lies? Some of the foundational lies is I don't have value unless I'm successful. That's a lie from the enemy. That's a lie from the enemy. You don't have you unless you find success. That's a lie. Another lie of the enemy that's foundational is, is I don't have value unless people like me. Sometimes it's all people like me. Unless everyone likes me, I don't have value. So we become people pleasers. And we think we've got to please people. A lie. Or maybe it's, I don't have value unless that really cool group of people at work likes me. Why don't they like me? I'm likable. Maybe I'm not likable. Then he's going, you're not likable or they'd like you. That's a foundational lie. That, that, has to be, that has to be removed. What's the lie behind it? You're not likable. You're not lovable. You don't have value. Lies. That's what the enemy lies with. You guys, we need to start listening and monitoring our self-talk. Do you guys know what I'm talking about by self-talk? The things you hear. And for some reason, my self-talk always, it's probably the football background. My self-talk always starts with the word Harper. Harper, because my last name is Harper. And it's, but it's not son. It's never son. Right? It's never loved one. It's Harper you know better. Harper, you blew it again. Harper, I mean, whatever it is. And you start listening to our self-talk because they're lies. They're rooted in lie. See, when you're hearing from the Lord, Cat, when you're hearing from the Lord, man, it's something really cool and affectionate and specific because he's your daddy and he knows he built you. So when he's talking to you, it's baby or it's sweetie my loved one. I mean, he's not afraid to be ornate with his words. My loved one, my precious loved one. 
Okay, so we're hearing from God. That's how he describes us. Lies tear us down. We have to grab the lies. We have to bring them to the light. And then we have to believe the truth. So what are the things we say to ourselves in our minds, sometimes out loud? Because it's telling us something about ourselves, And it's telling us something that we believe. Lies are like really jacked up core values. They really are. So I'm I'm a little shy of six two. With these, you know, I got a little you know a little heel on there. So I'm six two today. When I get the shoes off, I'm a little shy of six two. When I was younger, because my you guys ever seen my older brother? That clown is six six. Man, he's a monster. You ever seen my little brother? He's like six four. So I I believe the lie. For years and years and years, I referred to myself as the runt of the family. That's what I kept hearing. You're the runt of the family. You're the runt of the family. And what I was really hearing is you don't have value. The lie was you don't have value. And then another lie came. You've got to work harder than everyone else because you will only find your worth in outworking everybody. And then I would try and work and work. And you know what? When I was playing college football, it, it had benefits because I, I made the team and I did different things and there were benefits to it. But you know what the bad thing is? It was ingrained in my soul that I was less than, that I was not enough and that I had to take it upon myself to prove my worth that I was the runt. God had held out on me apparently and not given me the size of my brother's. That's just one of the lies that I dealt with. And you know what? I dragged those things to the lights. I said, you're a liar. And I no longer believe you. And you will not be a part of my foundation. Jesus, would you tell me the truth of who I am? And I was just reminded of how much he loved me and what he had to say about me. And I actually had the audacity to believe him. To believe him. And there's times every now and then I'll buy into a lie. I got to drag it to the light. The light of his glory and his presence. I come into his presence. That's when we drag it to the light, we come into his presence. There you go, Lord. This is what I've believed. Friends, if the Lord's putting stuff on your heart, write it down now. I won't be offended. We need to show up with these journals. We need to show up with with a writing utensil. And we need to be writing stuff down. And as the Lord is is revealing lies and different things that he says about us, we need to write them down. And for the lies, we need to make agreement with it. And we need to drag it into the light. We need to get in his presence. And we need to cling to the truth. And when the storm of emotion comes, which it will, just be ready for it. The storm of emotion comes. Say, I'm going to cling to the truth. I'm not going to be swayed by emotion. I'm going to cling to the truth. You guys, your value is not determined by your strength. If you've been hurt, I even feel silly saying that. If you've been hurt. If you've been hurt, and then you've said, I will never be hurt again. I will never let a man hurt me again. I will never let a woman hurt me again. I will never let a pastor hurt me again. I will never let God hurt me again. 
then you just placed yourself in the seat of control, which means God can't be in control. Both you can't be in control. And if you just said, I won't be, I'll never be, I can't, I won't, then you've just put yourself in the seat of judgment, in the seat of control. And God says, I've got to step back. There's nothing I can do while you're there. You've got to relinquish control. Control is a lie. Self-preservation, like that I just described, is a lie. It's got to be dragged into the light. And what is, what's that again? His presence. You guys, it's intentional. It's this intentional act. It's not an accidental occurrence. Your value is not determined by success or by who likes you or by whether or not you are in control. Your value and your worth was settled by Jesus Christ on the cross. Settled on the cross. That is who you are. We just have to believe it. Church, has, this has to be settled in our hearts. We've been waiting for this series. For almost a year, we've been waiting for this series because God's like, I'm going to heal some folk. I'm going to set some folk free. I'm going to do some things. I'm going to restore souls. He's so awesome. Will you agree with him? Will I agree with him? Will I agree with truth? Will I have the courage, even in Christ Jesus, because I'm courageous in Christ Jesus, will I have the courage to drag those lies and face them and then turn from them and say, here they are, Lord. I don't want to believe them anymore, but I have believed these things. And will you let him replace lie for truth? You got, you got to want to do it. You got to do it. I love you guys so much and I would love to do it for you. I would love, I really would. Because I love you. I'd love to do it for you. There's no power in that because that would be mine, not yours. And God wants you to walk in power. He wants you to walk in victory. So you got to do this in Him. Not in your own strength, in Him. Please, read Ephesians 1. Read Ephesians 2, read Ephesians 3, 30 times in the book of Ephesians. 30 times. You'll see that phrase. In Him, in Christ. And then Ephesians 4 does this remarkable thing. He's like, okay, okay, now, now that you have been such an awesome life, what are you going to do with it? That's what Ephesians 4 is. Are you going to live the life worthy of what I have given you? He wants us to find our identity in him and live accordingly. Isn't that good? Gosh, God is so good. All right, I want you to do something. If, if Have the courage to, if you, if there's a lie that the enemy has fed you, that you have bought into, and you're going, oh my gosh, this is a core foundational lie that I'm clinging to. And the Lord is revealing something. Would you just stand up where you are? We want to pray over you. We just want to declare God's truth over you. If the Lord has highlighted a lie, I don't want to know what it is. I don't want you to tell what it is. I just want you to make that first step and grabbing a hold of it and that first step of bringing it to the light. Would you just stand where you are if the Lord has highlighted a lie that you have believed and you've had a tough time with identity and not believe He says about you?
This is the first step. We accidentally just stumble into the type of freedom I'm talking about. We have to be, to grab a hold of the truth of who we are, be empowered by Christ and say, I will not fear facing that one because I am his. I am forgiven. I am redeemed. I am more than a conqueror. I am adopted. I am an heir. If we can just stretch our hands towards those that are there, but I also want us to do one hand on ourselves because let's be honest, there's way more than those that are standing that we're highlighting some stuff. So let's one hand on ourselves, one hand towards people. Lord, right now we just thank you that you are the light and we don't ever have to be afraid of being in your light, Lord. You don't bring us into the light to shame us because that is not in your nature and that is not who you are. You say that we can bring sin and shame and lies and accusation into the light so that you can annihilate it so that we can turn from it and cling to your truth. And so, Lord, I thank you. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we thank you for revealing the lies of the enemy because we don't want to agree with them anymore. We don't want to give power to them anymore. We don't want them to be a part of our foundation anymore. Lord, we're giving you permission right now to rip it out of our foundation. To rip it out of our foundation. To make us whole. To heal our soul. Now, Lord, I'm asking, would you just affectionately and mightily dote over these that have stood, that are saying, Lord, I now need to be reminded of your promise, of your truth, of who you say I am, of what you want to fill that spot with. So, Lord, would you just be just incredibly affectionate? And would you just knock their socks off? Right now be healed. Right now just receive his love. Receive freedom from that lie. We break the power of those lies in Jesus' name. We move our soul to the truth of our spirit, man, that we are whole and saved and redeemed. Lies be broken right now. Power be broken. The power we've given it, we break it right now in the name of Jesus. Not by our strength, not by our might, but by the spirit of God. Thank you, Lord. Let him do it. Let him do it. You've, you've stood up. You've dragged it to the light. Let him do it. Give him access. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen.